1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I want to preach a message this morning with the title out of that verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'll open up our hearts, that we may receive from heaven a word that will change our lives, that will build our faith, and make us stronger witnesses of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Father, I pray that you'll show us the significance of worship, the significance of doing what we do for your glory. I pray that you'll open our hearts and receive this. And I ask it in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. In order to explain this, I'd like to go all the way back to verse 23 of that same chapter and start reading from there, doing a little bit of teaching with this preaching. In verse 23, it says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. When you look at this verse here, it should help you to understand something, especially verse 23, where it says, even though the things that I do are lawful to do, even in a spiritual sense, they're not always expedient. And that just simply doesn't mean that they're ready and you can do them right now and it, it, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, when it's saying expedient, it means profitable. So just because you can do something as a believer doesn't mean it's profitable. And then it goes on to say that it's edifying, which means not everything we do produces anything of any worth, nor does it build our faith. So that kind of should tell you that the things that we should concentrate on are those things that are profitable to the kingdom of God and that build our faith so we can trust God more and more, right? That makes sense. Well, I, I was reading a little bit of um, a, a part of a chapter written by A.W. Tozer, and he said that we live in uh, one of two realms at all times, a secular realm or a spiritual realm. In, in the secular realm, basically, we're doing what we want to do, and it may not be a wrong activity that we're doing, but in order for it to be spiritual, it has to be God's will that we do what we're doing, right? So I guess if we really sit down and think about it, we can go backward and examine our day yesterday and we can determine, is that profitable for any good? Did that produce anything that's good, that's necessary, that's, that's needing? And 
Did that build my faith? So if it doesn't build your faith, and it's not profitable, it should not be a part of our Christian experience. So if we look at it, the secular side, though, which is a side that you cannot escape, but you can turn the secular activities of your life into spiritual activities of your life simply by doing everything you do for God's purpose. And ultimately, if it's done for God's purpose, it's done to God's glory. Okay? So then it says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. That's basically saying that you need to earn money. You need money to, to live, or at least you need a barter system to provide for your needs and everything. Just don't do it at somebody else's expense. That's what it's talking about. Don't do it at somebody else's expense. Not only don't do it at somebody else's expense, but if you're able to meet your own needs, help those who can't who are doing everything they can, but can't meet their needs. We're to help the needy, in other words. God places a high premium on helping people who cannot help themselves. Now, I'm not talking about people who can help themselves, but won't help themselves. I'm not talking about supporting laziness. I'm talking about supporting people who can't help themselves. Those we are to help. When we do this, we bring glory to God. When we're helping the needy, we're bringing glory to God. Is that profitable? It's profitable for his kingdom. Is that edifying? Why don't you try it? And you'll find out that's the greatest activity you did in your day, helping somebody else. Helping somebody else that needed help. Verse 25. <coughs> Excuse me. Whatsoever is sold in shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when it's talking about uh, buying something or selling something in shambles, it means uh, meat in a marketplace or it could mean a slaughterhouse or something like that. So if you buy it in a slaughterhouse and you eat it, all you have to do, like you should with all the food that you eat, is bless it first. Back in these days, there was so much idolatry around them that people would sell meats offered to idols, right? Now, if you're not asking if it was offered or not, just bless it and it's blessed. Idols are nothing. They're no gods. They don't even exist. They're a figment of people's imaginations. They're just a tale of Satan. That's all it is. But if somebody says to you that was offered to idols, then don't eat it for conscience sake. And why not? Because as a witness of Jesus Christ, you're now acknowledging you're eating something you know is offered to idols, and what a poor witness that will be. If somebody comes to you, you tell them about Jesus, and they can turn around and tell you about how you are not walking with God either. How you must not know God either. It says, if any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, 
and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Don't bring up the subject. Was that me offered to idols? Don't, don't even bring it up. Because an idol's nothing. All you do is bless it in the name of Jesus, and it is blessed at that time. Okay? So don't even bring it up. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not uh, for his sake that showed it. It's not for your sake, because you know the idol's nothing. He says it's offered to idols, and you eat it anyway. Now for his conscience sake, you have hurt him. And it says, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not your own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I, by grace, be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Well, simply because you're acknowledging you're eating it offered to idols. So here's a key word. Why is my liberty judged? Why is my liberty judged? In other words, everybody's judging everybody. You're judging me right now. There's a proper way to judge, and then there is an improper way to judge. People love when you correct them to bring up this statement. The Bible says, judge that ye be not judged, and you're judging me. Correction is not judgment, although a judgment had to take place before the correction. Now listen, Paul would explain to you in the first book of Corinthians, the very book we're in here right now, that those who are spiritual judge all things, but they are not judged of themselves. In other words, you should care less about what people think about you as long as you're doing what God wants you to do. If you're not doing what God wants you to do, now all of a sudden you're a poor witness of Jesus Christ, and how does he get glory out of you, out of your life, out of what you say or what you do? How is he going to get glory from a poor witness, right? So we have liberties. You have the liberty as a Christian to get up in the morning and do anything you want. But the Lord is saying, now you're operating in the secular. Because that's what the rest of the world does. But if you want to operate in the spiritual, you've got to get up and know what God wants you to do. And whatever it is that he wants you to do, it will always be profitable for the kingdom of God. You can bring the secular over into the spiritual by asking the Lord to help you with the secular. Now, all of a sudden, he's involved, and it turns it to something spiritual. So washing dishes, as I always say, can be a spiritual thing, because that's good prayer time for me. I cleaned off my back deck yesterday. That was a spiritual thing. I was ignited by the Holy Spirit. I was given that initiative by the Holy Spirit to do that. And then when I did it, it turned out so well that I was happy that I followed the Holy Spirit. It was profitable. 
Now people can't walk by my house and say, he might be a preacher, but he's also a slob. No, why does that matter to me? Not to be a slob. Why does that matter to me? That things aren't what they should be around me. The things that I control. Why? Because there's order to everything. <clears throat> God is a God of order. There's right, there's wrong, and then there's order. I mean, we read the Old Testament. I'm going through the book of, of Leviticus. And each time I go through it, I'm learning something else about all of these things God says are unclean animals to eat, clean animals to, that you can eat. Unclean you don't eat, the clean you do, right? And I was thinking about that, but we eat some of those foods now. Why are we eating foods that the Bible says are unclean? Do you ever eat anything from the rivers, the, the seas, or whatever that doesn't have fins on it? <clears throat> huh? I do. But why is it not a sin now? Understand that Leviticus and the law of God given to Israel on that day was only to discipline them to think about what's right and what's wrong all the time. To discipline them to think about what's acceptable to God and what is not acceptable to God. To get them to think we should only operate in the realm where God is seen to be holy. And we should not bring any discredit upon him whatsoever, which these verses speak of. Trying to teach us right and wrong, truth and error. And he gave them a good way to discipline themselves, but after a while, they should be thinking, God's just telling us what's holy, what's not holy, to tell us that he's holy and everything that's not of him is not. Do we see the point? He's just telling us, don't operate in the flesh. Don't operate doing wrong things. Even if it's right for the rest of the world. Don't do it. If it doesn't profit his kingdom. And if it doesn't build your faith. So yesterday, literally cleaning off my back deck. What it did for me is I caught something in order. The Lord wanted something in order. The steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. He orders them, and then as you've been learning, we all we have to do is follow them. He orders it, we follow it, right? That's profitable. That's edifying. That energy that the Holy Spirit can give you when you're doing what God wants you to do makes the, the task go from mundane to exciting. You are excited about cleaning off your back deck? It was a mess. It was out of order. Everything's got to be in order. We're to get everything in order and we're to work on it constantly. I was cleaning the kitchen yesterday. And while I was cleaning it, the Lord told me two things. He says, all this needs to be in order 
and it all needs to be clean. Sounds simple, right? Gave me the energy to do it because I said, yes, it does. You're right. It's not in order. It needs to be cleaned. So our lives are putting things in order and keeping them clean. That's our lives. But when you follow Jesus, you always do something that is profitable, that is productive, that puts something out of order in order. That's what we have to learn from this. Then he says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything. So in order to do everything to the glory of God, you've got to do everything in the will of God. Right? Those secular tasks now can be performed with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you invoke His help, by prayer and faith, he comes and helps you do those mundane tasks. And he gives you great reward afterwards. <clears throat> what is the reward? That the deck is clean, the kitchen's clean. No, the reward is I did what Jesus wanted me to do. What a lesson he tries to teach us today. When you buy a house, you got to maintain it. You got to keep it clean. My, how I wish everyone believed that same thing. You got to maintain it. The Bible says if you don't, it falls apart. It loses its value. We've got to maintain our faith in Jesus Christ so it doesn't lose its value and fall apart. Does it edify? It's profitable. Does it edify? Does it build your faith? It will build your faith every time the Lord says do something. You obey it and he gives you an anointing. That anointing will build your faith. You know, we've been talking uh, recently during the week. I read a chapter of an A.W. Tozer book. And in it he used a specific word that actually I'm seeing applies to so much of this, this message right here. He used the word self-facing. Just sit around and listen to people talk, and they'll almost always be talking about their own feelings, what, what, what they want, and they're not looking outside of themselves and seeing the world around them that God created that we're responsible for getting in order. And maintaining. Amen. Just sit and listen to people. They'll, talk, they'll tell you every problem that they got. I grew up with a lot of people who could tell you every single medication in, in their cabinet. How many times they take each one of them. What each one of them's for. I'm of the opinion, let's get rid of the med medication and start taking care of our health so we don't need the medication. 
But then that's, that's another subject that falls under here. Am I taking care of my body? Is my body in order? You know, when you're getting sick, most of the time you're getting sick because your body's not in order. Your immune system isn't where it needs to be. We're not eating right. We're not sleeping right. We're not exercising. We're not reducing stress. Let me tell you something you can add into your day every day. Take a walk. It does a couple of things. It reduces stress, and it's like the best time in the entire world I've ever found to pray and hear from God. Why? Because while you're wa walking, you're alert. I got this message in bed today, which is fine. But while you're walking, you're alert. If I'm moving, I can pray a lot longer. It takes all of those times away while you're listening that you get distracted. You just keep on moving forward. That's why I like to pray while I do mundane tasks. It really helps. But here's the issue. In order for me to bring glory to God, I've got to do God's will. In order for me to do God's will, I've got to have two things. I've got to know his will, and I have to have his anointing. Okay? In order to know his will and to have his anointing, I've got to pray. If I don't pray... Don't expect to know what God wants you to do. Don't expect to have the power to do it. Don't expect that God will get any glory out of it. So let's stop bouncing between the spiritual and the secular. Let's bring Jesus into every activity of our lives. Let him lead and guide us through that. Let him help us make those decisions. Let him plan your schedule when you get up every morning. Yes. And I'll tell you one thing, when you go to sleep, you'll have a good, peaceful rest. You know, in today's atmosphere, many times what I've seen, and this, this has gone on for years, even when I was in the military, I see people showing up to work for the paycheck. They actually work harder not to do the job so they get their paycheck than just doing the job. Finding every reason in their arsenal, a list that's a mile long, why they can't do that job better. We can do anything better if we've got Jesus with us. We should want it done better. We shouldn't just want the paycheck. We should want to be profitable. The Lord has a will for you, a plan for your life. If you start praying, you'll find out what it is. I'm not saying maybe, you will. If you're honest, an honest seeker of the Lord, you are really want his will you'll know it you'll hear his voice my sheep hear my voice and they there's that word again they follow me 
but always after they hear the voice. Okay? Part of the problem in the Christian church today, in Christendom as a whole, we have people doing things, doing activities, not led or guided by the Holy Spirit. They're not led by the Spirit, which means God didn't tell them to do it, which means it can't bring God glory in the end. God's not going to help you to do things he doesn't want you to do. That'd be teaching you the wrong lesson. He'll help you to do his will. He'll give you strength of character. He'll give you the ability to follow through. When you start something, you finish it. But imagine a life that is being lived, that is profitable to the kingdom of God, of course, always will help people in this world. A life that builds your faith so it can grow and grow and grow so you can know God in a greater and greater way and, and follow him in a greater and greater way. What a life that would be. When we do something, do it with all of our strength, all the strength God gives us. That's what it means. Get it from him and do it. It will be profitable and it will build your faith. But as we see here, not just profitable to you. Not just building your faith, but profitable to everyone, building everyone's faith. You know what this is just describing? A simple concept. Jesus, his life was completely profitable. No wasted time. Everything in his life meant something and drove him to the perfect will of God. And in all things, he was obedient to the perfect will of God. And that tells me this. We need to be like Jesus. As he was profitable in all things, we should be. And as he glorified his Father in all things, we should as well. The subject is, is, is true. Do all to the glory of God. Then make me like Jesus so that I can. That's your prayer. Play a song. The altar's open for those who want to be made to be more like Jesus.